Oh, hey, Nick. Uh, we're going to a tea party tomorrow. Sounds like fun. Yeah, I'm changing my name to Mrs. Nesput. Oh. Well, I know your daughter would like it. Oh, I'm sure she's... That's all she talks about. Well, no, because she's, she's two, correct? You're talking about Nick's daughter or mine? Yeah, Nick's daughter. Oh, no, your daughter. Yeah, absolutely. I was saying, I'm like, yeah. wait a minute. Yeah, Nick's two. is two. She'll be two in July. Whenever you get a chance, rockthetea.com. Okay. You'll know what I mean. You'll know what I mean. Yeah, when you uh, see it, you'll as soon as it pops up, you'll be like, ah. It's like it's like crack for little girls. <laughs> yep. interrupt openings for radio shows or podcasts you know how that annoying that can be i know exactly what you're saying oh i'm sorry nick go ahead you were saying and on that note <laughs> welcome everybody to game source uh podcast episode 41 um our <laughs> team for the most part has been uh dismantled so now it's just uh Gerald, Jamie, and I tonight. No, they're going to think that's a permanent thing, man. No, it's just they're not here tonight. They're just uh, they're off, like you like you said last time. They're off doing other things. Temporarily dismantled. Oh, my gosh. They're off playing with fireworks without us. It's okay. You sound like it's the A-team, man, at the part of the movie where they all got sent you know, to opposite ends of the, uh, ends of the earth for them just to reunite in the end. <laughs> <laughs> and one day we will reunite. Uh uh-huh. what's everybody been playing lately jamie uh well it's a toss-up i've actually been playing a little bit of spec ops and um some amazing spider-man which i'm sure we'll be talking about here in a little bit and you mentioned also lego batman too oh, that is true yes yes lego batman playing with the playing with the daughter she uh loves herself some lego characters did the uh, did the amazing and amazing Spider Man really mean amazing? Well, I gotta wait for that on the review. Gotta wait for that on the review. Slow down. Yeah, yeah. But Slow. it will be amazing if you wait. Trust me. <laughs> and it's an, it's another beautiful day in paradise. And I'm still with the wife uh, as far as keeping interest in Your Shape Fitness Evolve 2012. I've been also playing Spec Ops and also getting into Skyrim as far as with the new DLC, Dawn Guard. Oh, I was going to say, originally you started out was like, uh, I thought you were going to give kudos to yourself for still being with your wife. I was going to say, well, congratulations, Gerald. That is something to be proud of. In these days and age, hey, I'm doing better than, uh, you know, Tom and Katie, if you know what I mean. (laughs) 
See, they should have bought themselves an Xbox. Nick, Katie Holmes is available now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Go so, for it. Big DLC releases. <laughs> for Mass Effect 3 and Elder Scrolls 5, uh, Skyrim. Um, which one do you think is more needed? Although I know this is kind of a loaded question because I don't know. I mean, I think Elder Scrolls was was, uh, was good before uh, before the DLC. I don't know if it was really uh, something they, they really, really, really desperately needed like Mass Effect. But um, Jamie, what do you what do you think? Were you leaning more towards uh, Mass Effect or would you? I was more excited about the Elder Scrolls DLC. Oh. Mass Effect's DLC was a had a bit of a you know letdown. I mean, I guess they think they solved their little issue, but but they didn't. <laughs> right. So I mean, yeah, I mean, Elder Scrolls. It was I wouldn't say needed, but it was more welcome, I believe, to a lot more people than Mass Effects. I don't know. I I think really after uh, Bioware really tanked on Mass Effect. I mean, it was a good game, but they really tanked on the ending. Uh, I I don't think anybody can really you know disagree on that. I I think as far as need, as far as which one was more which one was more needed, I I'm gonna have to lean towards Mass Effect because they had to please all the aggravated people somehow. And I don't know, Gerald. Well, uh, I can tell you it's it's both ways. It's a, they're both a little bit underwhelming. I like playing the vampire aspect, um, whether you're playing as a vampire or you're fighting against vampires. Um, and it is a fairly lengthy, especially for a $20 da- DLC for Dawnguard. But I still remember fondly when Oblivion uh, first DLC, well, actually, no, the first DLC was actually Horse Armor, which is still to this day one of the most ridiculed. But um, Knights of the Nine... And also the Shivering Isles were DLC that that were added to Oblivion, which truly made it, um, it rounded off a great, great, great game. Um, I had already been 100 hours in into uh, the actual Oblivion universe and add this on there, which gave me another 40, 50 hours of, of enjoyment out of it. Uh, truly, truly made it worthwhile and special for both Knights of the Nine and also uh, the Shivering Isles. Now you've got Dawn Guard. It's pretty good. Um, I, I still haven't got through it, so I can't give you a full score as of yet. Um, but I, I don't get the same type of interest level that I have uh, when I played through Knights of the Nine and also Shivering Isles. Because when I played Shivering Isles, it just seemed like it was completely different um of a game um than what oblivion was which was great uh and then knights of the nine really added that that quest and importance feature uh to something that i thought i had already uh, gone through when i completed the main quest but um the mass effect um dlc i think that was just meant to pacify a lot of people did it did it take care of what I thought would be the ending? Because I was, you know, I, I've said on the past, I said in the past that the ending was not quite what I wanted it to be. Uh, it really didn't didn't do a whole lot more for me on that end. But I think it makes it a little bit more complete. But when you're still playing through three different Mass Effect games, um, I still don't think it's quite what uh, players were looking for. But at least it was a step in the right direction, and it does. Uh, with all the rumors as far as it's concerned and the coding and whatnot, um, it does leave it now open 
for either Shepard's character or to continue on spoilers uh, to continue on um, with maybe another adventure in the Mass Effect Syndrome uh, series, a new series in the Mass Effect uh, universe, or also as well. Um, it, probably something of the nature of maybe uh, with the the mass effects, um, the mass relays being uh, not totally destroyed, it allows that something else new from maybe a new character in the Mass Effect universe, which I think uh, really uh, is something that should be noted as well. So um, both oh. DLCs are kind of underwhelming, especially, but uh, you know I can't complain too much about free DLC because free DLC is always good. From the Mass Effect then. Yeah, I just think that um, Mass Effect, uh, Bioware kind of slapping a Band-Aid over it, I don't think is really going to fix anything. So, But then you got to remember, that's not everybody. You know, It's still pretty split on people who didn't like the ending and who people who did. I mean, from the universe out there that I've heard over the past few months and read, you know, it seems pretty split on, on who liked and didn't like the ending. So I guess it's a matter of the player out there. The ending was uh, atrocious. How, how could someone actually like it? The ending wasn't really even what you would consider a, a legitimate ending. It, they, they just dropped it off. I mean, it wasn't. I mean, it was an ending where they either save or you control. It just it was all the different same shades of gray. Especially the only thing that changed was the color palette. Um, it just it really didn't allow for the choices that you made during the course of the past three games uh, to have any impact at the final ending. And I really don't think this did a whole lot more in that direction. But at least it was something for me. But it. You know, like I said, it's it was free DLC. I can't really complain um, too hard about it. And like I said, it's it's still not going to detract. You know, any of the detractors out there who were originally down on the series for going in that direction, they're they're not going to get off that that bandwagon anytime soon. No, I mean, you know, not to say I, mean, I was playing it again, you know, the other day, and I mean, it's a good game. It plays it it, uh, it plays smoothly. I mean, you know, well, for. But, I mean, we're 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 um, disparaging it like it's like it's a terrible game. It's my game of the year right now. I'm going to be honest with you. Oh, you're going to more talk more in detail about it, but as I'm going to elaborate why, uh, right now it's still my game of the year at this point in time because I have yet to play Diablo. Well, so it's I, I'm not saying I'm not trying to trash and say it's a bad game because personally, I think Mass Effect is a really great game. I just think that the ending blew chunks. Yeah, now, let's say it's in Mass Effect, not three ninety five percent is let's call it that is, is a great game. So, yeah, I, I mean, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm not trying to trash on it because I, I think it's an excellently uh, made game, just like uh, the other two installments that, that have come out. So, I mean, it was impref- impressive. Came and talked tonight. It was impressive, but I just, you know, would expect more. Out of the ending for such a for such the for such of a epic conclusion to a to a trilogy like that, it didn't fault the entire game. But in a sense, you were really playing with a sense of emptiness if you if you kind of peeked ahead and saw that no matter what you did, it would end up resulting in the same dramatic, empty ending. So I, I just think that not fixing that and and offering other options really probably was one of the only factors that really detracts from that game out of getting like a close to a perfect score is all I was saying. So, but anyway, as, as no, hold on, as Corey would say, 
Just saying. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll we'll get into more of that later, though. But um, for uh, lack of time, we'll move on to the second thing here. Um, Square Enix. This is actually something I was really uh, really not happy about when when I heard this. They said no new Final Fantasy VII remake until they've made the game better. Uh, made a made a Final Fantasy game better than seven. Oh boy, does everyone everyone ready for a angry Nick rant? You're gonna get one. This by far is the most ignorant comment I have ever heard. Maybe not not ever. Peta Peta's up there, but one of the most ignorant comments I've ever heard. You guys are ridiculously stupid. I I cannot fathom as to why you would not take a a monumentally extraordinary game, probably one of the best Final Fantasy games out of the entire series, because you think you know you have to make one and excuse my language some crappy ass Final Fantasy game next that. You know, what do you think? 15, 16, 17 are going to beat 7? You guys lost the chemistry a long time ago. So for them, you know, I don't know if it's just them being lazy or if it's just, I, I, I don't know. I, that just really blows my mind. And for them, it, maybe, I, I don't know. See, this topic pisses me off. Down, boy, down. Why'd you put this on for tonight? <laughs> because that's exactly what I was hoping to get. Because I knew how passionate you are, Final Fantasy fan. I just think if I'm an investor or somebody who has money in Square Enix, I just want to go out and you know just burn something uh, near Square Enix just to, in in protest. So it was just uh, something that uh, was very disappointed to hear. Um, it's something that they have in their library that could make a substantial amount of money today, even today, especially if they remade it and they're choosing not to use that option. And um, I don't know. It just blows my mind. It's just I, the only thing I can attribute to is just a, a different culture, a different way of thinking, because, you know, Square Enix is still um, a, a Japanese based uh, and founded uh, belief and vision. Um, even though they've got a lot of you know uh, European developers that they that that now work for them, but you know it is it was grounded in in Japanese tradition and Japanese ideology. Um, so I think that's a, has to a lot to do with their thinking. And they, quite frankly, I just think it's misguided. And I think they really need to to really reevaluate that situation because they will probably never have a game uh, the quality or the likes of Final Fantasy VII. And by the time, if they ever do bring out a remake of Final Fantasy VII, um, unfortunately, it will probably meet the same. It, it, I, I fear it might meet the same doom as uh, Duke Nukem Forever, because you know that took forever to come out. And I feel that that the same kind of response could happen, or the kind of backlash could happen if it, you know, does not come out some point in time in the near future. Yeah, but you know, the thing is, is that. You know, Final Fantasy VII, and and there were other Final Fantasies that were very good. You know, eight, nine, and even the the original. You know, one, two, three, four, uh, tactics. You know, those were classics. The the thing is, is that you know, this is what they need to do. There's obviously a 
very large census who has been waiting and anticipating for the remake of this title. They don't need to really, you know, if they would take the the graphics, the uh, sound dialogue, you know, the, the dialogue from, from Advent Children and they catered the graphics and the way the game played according to the animated movie, took took a fundamentally great substance from, from that game and just kept the storyline, everything, the battle system the same. I, I have to beg to differ. I don't think it, it would be a failure like Duke Nukem. And, you know, it's just, again, this just... Is, is, well, is I'm not going to say critic. I'm not going to say because the, the game was also a critic critical failure. I actually didn't. It, you know, I need to correct myself on that, and I do want to correct myself on that because actually, even though it was a critical bomb and a game was a, the game itself was a mess, it actually did sell over a million units worldwide. Although right now you can get on uh, probably under ten dollars new. Um, that's how far that you know. Once the initial sales wore off, it dropped like a rock. But uh, I just would see the same thing for Final Fantasy VII if if it took you know another five, seven, ten years to come out. It would be like, who cares? You know, it, it I, just would come be that simple. I just think that the time that they're investing the money into trying to surpass this game, which they won't, because again, like I, I said earlier. Final Fantasy, the, the ones thereafter, I would say safely after 10, have lost their luster. It's just, you know, like, like, like people always say, you know, don't change a good thing. They had a good chemistry and a good mix up until 10, and then they went off on this closed world, very linear type of gameplay. Now, not to say that Final Fantasy 10 and 13 and 13-2 have a unique... Um, battle system, you know, with the paradigm system and, and the, the way magical combat's conducted and just a number of things. But but again, going back to the, the, the basics, Final Fantasy VII was not overcomplicated, you know, like with the sphere grid system, but at the same time, it had, it, it almost just had the perfect balance of, of uh, you know, difficulty, but it wasn't it wasn't over difficult. It was easy enough to, to grind and, you know, get the right materia, get the right gear and things like that. And it kind of gave you motivation to, to continue playing. However, I, I just think uh, there are a lot of aspects with the new Final Fantasies that really detract from what the saga kind of originally built itself on. And that's just a really huge, major disappointment to me. I, Square Enix, I, I, I am a hardcore fan of you guys. But you guys have no clue what you're doing. I don't. Know. I just want. I just if I can just interrupt. I'm just going to say this. Now would be the great time at the end of a life cycle of PlayStation Three. Um, if there was an HD remake of it, it would still look very, very good. There is the chance when PS4 comes out. Let's say three, four years down the line, six years down the line. They want to try and go ahead and make an HD remake again. There is the strong possibility that even if they try to remake it in HD, that the graphics themselves would still look outdated, and it wouldn't have the 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 impact, you know, both graphically, critically, and financially that that Square Enix would be looking for. So I think it's a mistake on all fronts. 
No, and and I agree. Like, you know, I didn't really even understand the concepts behind, you know, making a Silent Hill HD collection and a Devil May Cry HD collection because, you know, I don't, I don't know what they profit or gain from that. But it, I think that Final Fantasy VII was, you know, like like you said, I have to agree. It it was made in an age where even HD graphics, even with the cinema cinematic uh, cutscenes, I don't know if. That would really influence that. I, I'm talking remake, though. Um, I just uh, I'm disappointed. Um, I'm very aggravated with Square Enix. They instead of investing the money and time into developing another garbage game, like they have been, they need to push that revenue in a direction that's going to make them money and and not lose them money. But you know. I have some words that I can't express on air, Square Enix, but trust me, I'm 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 mind screwing you, <laughs> Jamie. I didn't mean to overtake the conversation, man. No, no, not at all. I I enjoyed listening to both sides of that, and I fall pretty much in the middle. Point counterpoint. I I fall in the middle. Okay, huge fan of Final Fantasy, especially seven. Who wasn't? But I honestly think that I, I have to agree with Gerald on a point where if they want to do this and they should do this, they need to do it right now. This, you know, look at like how you said you've got Devil May Cry HD. They redid Shadow of Colossus and Ico. They're redoing Okami in HD. This is a, it, it's a it's a trend right now. It's it's a almost a fad. And if they were to do that, they would be the top of all these HD remasterings and remakes that are coming out. They would be the one to go, this is how you redo a game and do it well. But they seem to not see that. Because they're ignorant. Uh And that is their... I'm going to look at it as that's their loss. Because... They've only, you know, Gerald said it again, where you had all the hype behind Duke Nukem and everything else, and, you know, it would get hyped up, then it would fizzle out. Hyped up, fizzle out. Then you got 10 years go by, and bam, they hype it up, hype it up, hype it up, and there it comes, and it was nothing. It was absolutely nothing. It was garbage. And I don't want to see that happen with this, because this game is too good to get sold out like that but it's uh you know it's it's inevitable though man oh of course it is of course it is because they're not they, how can you even say that you're, you're not going to do anything until you make a game better than final fantasy 7 why won't you just say look we know we did our best work right here we're gonna make this even better than what you already thought it was and give it to you again it's like they're in, they're in denial, is what it is. I I'll tell you what. I bet you anything. Okay, I bet you anything that they their expectations are is that any future release after thereafter, okay, theoretically, let's say they actually were intelligent and decided to make a remake. Mm-hmm. Anything thereafter that remake would not sell well because. They 
realized that what they did back years ago on Final Fantasy VII and Final Fantasy VIII and Final Fantasy IX, Final Fantasy X, they realized that that was the chemistry that sold people on the Final Fantasy saga. And they are not – they know they are not able to live up to that anymore. No, they, they – I think it's the realization of, oh my gosh, we've peaked. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think that's if I may. I think that's why they made that statement. Now that we, you know, you guys brought up excellent points, and um, you know, I hate to say this, Nick, you brought up an, a very, very sound point. Oh my God, I said that on, while we we're recording too. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, actually, you're right. You're 100 percent right, both Jamie and Nick. Um, you know that's why they think they made that statement because I don't think they're going to be able to match the quality of Final Fantasy VII or come close to it ever again. No, I, I don't think they will be, and um, that that's a shame, really. I, I was I was really hoping and really rooting, you know, when I got excited when I finally after I don't know how long was it, Jamie, before they they finally implemented the uh, the PlayStation uh, portable version of Final Fantasy VII before oh, they. Wow. Uh, Imported onto the uh, PSN. Um, whew. after I how? Remember how long? After how long of people begging them to put those right. games on there? It's like it's like it, hanging a piece of like freaking meat in front of you. It's like exactly, yeah. Here you go. Here you go. Uh, not quite. We're we're well, working on some I, stuff. I just think it's going to come down to people who are going to be able to. Uh, bootleg or or hack into it and be able to provide people with a hack hack copy and and see how popular that gets um, before uh, Square Enix realizes you know how many mo- how many more millions do you want to lose off of people trying to uh, pirate their way into it you know or before saying you know what I think we better better make a legitimate copy and because we want to do it right. Well, you know I I think Square Enix is uh, sadly going to la- learn the hard way. Uh, I just, you know, and I mean, Final Fantasy is, is one thing. It's probably one of my my favorite RPG series. However, you know, there's there's a couple games that they can really, uh, uh, I wish they would invest time in remaking. Uh, Chrono Cross. I mean, Chrono Cross would be an awesome remake. Uh, Legend of Gaia. Um, I'm trying to think of a couple other ones offhand. That I really like Parasite Eve. I love Parasite Eve. Probably is one of my second favorite series of games, and it's so disheartening to see these these lame releases on the on the PSP and and not investing. I, I mean, I would buy it in a heartbeat if I found out there was another Parasite Eve coming to file, uh, coming to PlayStation Three. I'd buy it in a heartbeat because that was an epic game. The way they constructed that game and just it played the way the the system was built, the foundation it was built on just made that game great. And it's just really very disheartening to see great series and sagas like that that are completely being overshadowed because they have some ideology that they're able to make games better than what they used to. And and unfortunately, they've invested such an incredible waste of time on making games beautifully, you know, beautiful graphics which I'm not knocking the new Final Fantasies for. They're graphically amazing, but the gameplay sucks. So it's they've lost the counterbalance, and, and that's just 
it, it's just lame. That's all. It, and, and you know, it's aggravating because I, I have a much higher expectation and I have a much, uh, I, I used to just really look up to Square Enix for the next uh, big release in the, in the gaming series um, for several titles and, and they failed me continuously. So uh, I can go on that topic all night, but in, in any case, it uh, falls back to what we had said once before with other games. They're slapping an established name on it because they know that name will sell yep. regardless. Once the people figure out that, Oh man, this kind of, you know, it looks great, but it doesn't play very well. It doesn't matter. They've got their money already. Yeah. They'll invest 10, uh, $10 million into making it. And when they only reap about 2.5 out of it, they'll go, oh, wow. Well, that was a pretty awful game. But yeah. <laughs> anyway, for for lack of time, we got we to try to make it through this last topic before we get to the break. But in any case, Remedy Entertainment uh, gets closed by Activision. Um, <laughs> Activision really in any place to do that at this point. Uh, it was after lukewarm sales and you know the acclaimed uh, release of the uh, their last century prototype two, which well the the lack of acclaim it got mediocre reviews pretty much across the board. Uh, some highs eight, eight and eight fives, but some people were putting in at six six fives. We were right around the middle, so I think it was seven and a half off the top of my head. Uh, just it was an okay game, but it really just didn't do you know didn't set the world on fire. I, I I didn't really see that it would anyway. I prototype the first prototype was alright. I don't think they really knocked anything out of the park with it. I, I know that you know, back when we were running the gaming store, Gerald, and, and you know, we saw at that time a lot of previews and it looked as if it had a lot of potential and, and it was kind of the same with Assassin's Creed and and I still remember those days because uh I remember popping Assassin's Creed in and, and we all kind of speculated a little bit on how successful that 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 series was going to be, and you know, oddly enough, uh, you know, just at E3, I, me and me and Jamie and or uh, sorry, Jamie, uh, me and Corey were standing in line to check out the new Assassin's Creed, and and you know, we were blown away by all the the incredible gaming mechanics and just the attributes that that series was able to really uphold on and and prosper from, and. You know it's incredible looking at that today, and and just seeing they've 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 taken the you know battle of the sea and stuff like that. So you know it's just uh it's just refreshing to see you know game series like that prosper. But but then you look at games like Prototype, and you're like, you know what the what what were you guys thinking? It, did this game even warrant an additional? I, I, an additional uh, sequel or uh, a sequel rather I, I mean you know you just have this like huge question mark over your head like seriously really guys I mean what Nimrod invested the money into making a sequel when the first one wasn't even good so I, I am I really surprised that Activision you know closed them down no kudos Activision decimate them they don't need to be back in the industry i've said my piece gerald well you know it just seems you know that activision's gone out of its way to and uh, you know in some cases smartly so to just deal with their their most profitable games 
um, which amazes me why they're still bringing out stuff like the you know the movie tie-in for Amazing Spider-Man because it's not going to sell anywhere near and present itself anywhere near its more revered franchise franchises like um, Skylanders or Call of du- course Call of Duty you know even the Cabela series which you know people la- may scoff and laugh at still makes them a regular amount of money each year and still does a uh, has a steady cl- client base has as far as money coming in as far as for them and they're usually very satisfied with what they done what they've done in the past so i can see them streamlining even more uh to get rid of all these other uh development companies that are just not producing games that are in the end, yeah, quality is not an issue for them. It's the matter of are they making it at the cash register? And yet, it did come out number one for the month that came out, according to the MBD. But in a month that in a year where gaming is down uh, 30%, it really is uh, not a good sign, you know, that being number one, uh, because it doesn't mean overall that the sales are going to be very strong on it. And ultimately, that's what you know doomed the the development company and the game as a whole. So, I think it was just an average game, came out to lukewarm sales, lukewarm reviews, and in the end, you know these these development companies can't afford to stay open because you know these budgets for these games are now going fifty, a hundred million dollars to just make the game, and you need to make fifty, a hundred million, hundred fifty million back before you see a return on your investment. And I just. It's just these development companies that that in the past were staying open despite churning out all these average games are are just not going to be able to do it any longer. Well, you know, with with heavy hitters like that, I think any of these small-time companies are going to have a tremendous amount of difficulty trying to make a name for themselves unless they, you know, they contract with one of the heavy hitters. So, you know... I I don't know. I mean, when I look at situations that occur like this, am I really surprised by the end result of that? I guess a part of me, because you know, there's been a a number of of poor titles that that, that have been released, and these companies are still keeping afloat somehow. But the other side of me is is that you know, I think I think I said you know three times in a row. I, I see I see stuff like this happening and my expectations of, of what the future really holds for the industry is pretty bleak because they really need to, to up the ante and they need to try to invest in a series of games, like you said, Gerald, that that are going to just drive home every year. Uh, you know, Madden and you know, the NBA series and MLB and, you know, things that come out annually like clockwork that continue to fork in dough. So, you know, was Activision really hasty in making this decision? No, I don't, I don't think so. I, I think they, they saw a potential for failure. It happened and they were like, we're done. We're, we're not taking a chance. We can invest our money in, in a series that's going to, going to uh, make us money every year. So, I mean, that's just, that, that's how I perceive it. I, I, I don't know. Jamie, what, what, what do you see out of this? It, it was, it was 
almost inevitable. I mean, it came out the week it came out. It was doing okay, you know, was holding its own. Two weeks out, I see the price drop almost in half. And that, you know, you know yourself, there's games still to this day that are at a $60 price tag that are how many years old that probably shouldn't be at a $60 price tag, but will still sell at that price tag. So that was, you know, that's a red flag there. You've got how many studios has this been happening to lately? You've got, you know, Unit 13 came out. What was it? A week later, that studio closed. Then a couple weeks later, almost a month later, I think, Zipper got closed. So, you know, no more Mag, no SOCOM. It's just, it. it's kind of a scary thought when you think about it, about how many of these places are just at, you know, the drop of a hat. It's, you know, lights out. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I just think that, I just think that the industry is, is really suffering. I I think, you know, they have their, at this point, they have a set of games that they are just not only now, I mean, not only just now continually investing the money in, but, you know, like, uh, for instance, take a, take a news article I read today about how EA has a plan to go all 100% digital. I mean, sure. when it gets to the point where you're like, well, you know, it's not really too profitable anymore for us to make games for people to buy. So we're just going to go ahead and cut our costs and do it all digital. Look at the route Sony just went. What they just purchased, you know, basically the equivalent of on live. Yeah, I... I don't know. That's so. Is there really going to be a PS4, or is it just going to be you know a streaming app for the PS3 that leads into PS4? It's... But did you? Uh, I mean, did you hear what I said? I think that's uh, that's a great move by Sony by buying the Gaikai servicing. Now gives them a lot of different options, like you said, Jamie, for the future. So of course, and going di- and going digital is. Very sound. I mean, you cut all the publishing costs as far as you don't have to print a disc, you don't have to make a box, you don't have to put a manual in there, you don't have to you don't have to go ahead and you know the shipping costs and things of that nature, distribution costs as far as it's concerned. You can you you know basically you're keeping a lot of more money in house. I, I don't see where I don't see where the issue is as far as it's concerned. Convenience wise for the consumer, it makes it harder. But more and more consumers are becoming acclimated to buying online, so it it's becoming more and more in that direction. And I, I like I said, if I was EA, I would probably say the same thing. No, I, I agree. It's digital is just how things are going nowadays, and I think you have such a considerably large part of the consumer. The in consum- fact, I, I, I would just want to say the mirror up one more time. I love the fact it's so digital, like, like today. And uh, I I want to thank Nick again for this. Is you know, I just I just deleted all the MP3s uh, for the MP3 podcast off my uh, phone. You guys want to know why that is? Ooh, can I guess? Yes. I bet you it's because you downloaded 
the wonderful Game Source app to your phone. That's correct. <laughs> I thank you for answering that. Yes, the wonderful Game Source mobile app. Uh, Nick, did you want to elaborate more on that while we had a second just before we go to break? Yeah, sure. Uh, for those of you who actually have been religiously downloading each of the podcasts, we, we want to thank you for that, first of all. Uh, however, we've made some improvements and we've uh, GameSource has gone mobile. It's the GameSource mobile app. Right now, it's a web-based application. Um, you are able to actually make it uh, an app in essence. It uses your mobile web for those of you who have a smartphone, which uh, hopefully probably 98% of the public at this point has a smartphone. But we are uh, in transition. We'll kind of get to this at tonight's closing. We're kind of in transition of getting it onto the, uh, the iTunes store and the Android market. However, basically it gives you the convenience of being able to stream all of our podcasts without actually having to download anything. And uh, not just that, the uh, MFP podcast, check our page. You'll know what I'm talking about. It's soon to go up on there and – you know, it's just like Gerald said, it's uh, has our Facebook page so you can catch, keep up to date with all the latest news right off your mobile phone. You can catch our YouTube videos on there. Isn't that right, Nick? Yep. Follow, uh, like, like, uh, like we said, follow us on Twitter. Our latest our reviews, Facebook. blogs. What else, Nick? We uh, actually we implemented a uh, – I, I forgot to mention this. I know we discussed the story, Gerald. We actually implemented an event calendar for when we start uh, going to uh, live events and when we're actually going to be conducting live events, you guys will know on the go so that you're actually able to come and join GameSource um, and uh, come and chill with us when we – I know we want to go to the uh, sports lounge, right, Jamie? EA Sports Bar, yes, I did go or, there Or once. when we cover things like Evo coming up or CES yes. or E3. E3. Hopefully. Or GDC. Spooky. <laughs> mm -hmm. But um, yeah, so we we got a lot of really great things that we're we're implementing with our with our gaming apps, so or with our mobile app rather. So please uh, tune in and and uh, download it to get all the uh, the latest and greatest uh, on the go. Um, to get that info and to get that link, uh, they just need to go to our news page on, at www.yourgamesource.com slash news. Uh, it's right there. It's a big advertisement for it. Uh, we also post it again and again on our Facebook page. Um, and if you cannot find it for any reason, just give us a, a, an email at, at uh, yourgamesource at yahoo.com. Or also just shoot us a message on Facebook at our at our Game Source or Twitter uh, at Game at at Game Source. Um, we we'll get you the link. We'll make sure you have it so you can download it ASAP and you can get all the good stuff that Game Source has to offer right direct from your mobile phone, so that you too can be like us and we're going 100 percent digital, just like EA, just like Sony. Yes, we support. See, all even we are going to start competing with iPads. <laughs> there is even going to be a 100% digital Angry Nick. Digitalized. Straight to your mobile phone. I'm going to make That's it scary. my wallpaper. Actually, at the end of the podcast. That's though. You know what? I don't know what's scary. Are you saying that, Nick, or are you saying that, Jamie? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, at the end of the podcast, I'm, I'm going to go over the uh, – 
the new segment I've started. So, but it, oh, that's even scarier. <laughs> we're actually overdue for a break, so we're gonna head to a break, guys, and we'll be back with you. All right, guys, we are back. Uh, we're gonna go over a couple reviews, take another break, and roundtable of doom after. So, Spec Ops, the line, Gerald. Let us know, dude, what's going on with that one. Um, actually, it's, you know, I, I know a lot of people have heard of this game already. I mean, we got to try it all out at E3. Um, I got the game came in and then we were able to go ahead and, and play extensively with it. The campaign is is one of the better first person shooter campaigns uh, that's been ever released. Um, it's really good. The voice acting by Nathan Drake, oh, oh, excuse me, Nolan North and others uh, is really good. Um, the quality of it is it's 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 very good uh, as far as it's concerned. I think the the way the feels as far as the third person aspect, the cover system, uh, the shooting uh, mechanics. Um, there's really very little awkwardness when I played. It was something I could just pick up and I was already familiar with once I started playing. Um, it, it really, you know, for me was it was a good solid foundation. Um, you know, graphic-wise, it's not going to win any awards, but it's still not not anything put to shame. Although, you know, with the sandstorms, uh, because you're in um, Dubai and whatnot, um, the sandstorms do come into play. And that's a really a great way that you can hide your draw distance. So um, as far as, you know, when you're making a game, um, I think that uh, the graphic-wise, you know, it's pretty good. Uh, AI is, was pretty solid. Uh, it kept me uh, challenged even at a normal uh, level as far as the concern on difficulty. I just think the game itself, as far as story-wise, it has moral choices uh, that you do make um, as far as who lives and who dies. Uh, that, that's very, that, that, that you do feel uh, as a gamer and as a player. Um, and that you want to revisit uh, on at least a second playthrough to see how, if you tried it from a different stance, how it all plays out. Um, I, the the only bad part about the game, the multiplayer was generic uh, and really much pretty much a throwaway. I wish they the multiplayer had been um, more put in as far as um, a co-op, as far as campaign all the way through, because you do have uh, AI co-op. Um, as far as is concerned, that that's really uh, they're they're awesome to have because basically you can give out commands and not have to shoot a single bullet uh, for a great portion of the game if I want. And you can sing a lot of commands and they can do all the work for you, uh, or you could just do it all yourself. Uh, either which way, uh, it's really a lot of fun to play. Like I said, I wish they would have changed the multiplayer aspect of it a little bit and made it just a campaign with just a nice co-op. Uh, they go all the way through on it. Um, I give the game an 8 out of 10. Uh, I really think it's a solid choice. And anybody out there who's dying to get something new and fresh uh, ought to be able to take a look at as far as it's concerned. Um, I, I don't know. Did you get a chance to play it, Jamie? Um, I did. Uh, I did have a few. I don't know if it was just me. Maybe it was. I know I saw a couple other um, people talking about it. There's a couple issues with the cover system as far as when you're supposed to be able to actually hurdle something, it would actually hit it like it was going to melee it instead of hurling it. Well, I, I just I chose not to use that that, uh, and if I didn't have to, right? Um, it just for me it was pretty easy to go through and go around stuff. Um, I really don't in the middle of a battle or whatnot. I really don't like to do the heroic jump over. 
because that just means I'm going to take more hits. Um, if I if I was able to go around, I, I usually chose that option. I didn't have a problem vaulting, but I could see the problem in a questionnaire if he did. Uh, but it really it didn't hinder my play too much, if that's the case. Oh, no, no, not at all. And I know what you're saying. I mean, if you didn't vault when you didn't actually have to, like if you were told to vault, it worked out fine. But if you were just trying to vault, it did have a small couple issues here and there where it would actually try and hit the spot you were vaulting over instead of vaulting. But other than that, I mean, I, I agree with you. It was, it, I was surprised by it after actually playing through at E3 and kind of being on the fence about it. I was surprised by it. It was very good. Um, I do have to agree. The multiplayer, though, kind of a letdown. I was hoping for more of a co-op as, you know, well, we both said the same thing at E3. Well, I just, no, co-op? What's the, you know, this one could have, this one just screamed a nice, no throw-in multiplayer, just a single player campaign with the option of going co-op with two other people. You know, I, I know... I want to, I guess, this to in a similar fashion. If you remember, Lord of the Rings: War of the North, that was a three-player game uh, with the option of co-op on it, and uh, I think they should have done the same thing here. I agree. That would have made it. Um, that would have pushed it a lot farther. Yes, but I think the narrative is quite well done. Um, I did enjoy the acting in it. Um, I didn't think it was over the top. I think it gave you a lot of choices to, that you have to think about. And the gameplay was easy enough, uh, but yet challenging enough um, to make it worthwhile and didn't seem like a chore all the way through. So, uh, like I said, it's it's one of the better uh, first-person shooter campaigns to come out in quite some time. So, eight out of ten out of eight out of ten for me. Okay, what about uh, what about Lego Batman? Dos two. Well, Lego Batman two. Um, uh, you know, if you've got kids, and I've got two two girls that just, you know, had a chance to get, sit down and play with it uh, in the co-op fashion. It's a lot of fun. Still, if you you have to be familiar with the Lego operation and the Lego, you have to have play games in the Lego universe in order to to fully be able to utilize all the features and functions. Um, otherwise, you are, there is a little bit of a learning curve if you, this is the first game you're picking up. But if you have played the Lego series, uh, this is, I guess, you could say it's a pretty good version of it. It's not their best Lego game. It's certainly not the worst. Um, what kind of uh, thoughts did you have on it, Jamie? Um, I have to agree. There was that bit of learning curve. I know, you know, Jennifer got a little frustrated. My daughter, she did get a little frustrated with it. Um, what was that horse I was looking for here? Um, Camera angle-wise, there was a few issues there I ran into where the camera angles just weren't cooperating with what I was trying to do, so it made it kind of hard to accomplish what they wanted you to accomplish. Um, other than that, I mean, it was, like you said, I mean, it was a pretty good LEGO game. Not the best LEGO game I've ever seen or played, but entertaining. I mean, I didn't get too far into it yet or anything like that, but... Uh, my daughter was entertained, but there was that learning curve that you could tell that it wasn't. She wasn't used to this where I was. What about um? Uh, answer my other question earlier. How amazing is the Amazing Spider-Man? Nick, 
I'm sorry to burst your bubble, but the amazement is just not what everybody wanted. <gasps> oh, no. Do you hear the sighs and gasp and everything everywhere? No, wait a minute. That would be a perfect part to play your ringtone. <laughs> yes, my text message notification would be perfect for that part. That would be- yes, I agree. I agree. <laughs> because literally that's exactly what you see when you go that route. Um Control-wise, it's basic. It's your basic Spider-Man game. You know, we've seen the same thing. Everybody wants a Spider-Man game that is trumping Spider-Man 2. You hear it all the time. This is not... It's, it's Like I said, it's a fun game. It's just not there. It's really not there. You can only swing through Manhattan for so long before you go, okay, it was fun for the first 5-10 minutes. Now, it's just repetitive and repetitive is how is it when bruce campbell uh, heckles you the whole way uh, that's not fun it's not fun not fun at all when will they learn to stop making games before the movie comes out and then once the movie comes out when will they learn to still not make games after movies i don't think they ever will just because of the simple fact that again falls back to what we were talking about earlier and we've talked about it before they slap a name on something and people will buy it and why I don't know because this well the movie tie-ins are B list well the movie tie-ins are slowing down I mean they used to be coming out with a, a ton of movies um, I mean we did see a movie Men in Black tie kind of tie-in uh, come out recently and that was horrible um, <laughs> the Avengers game actually they didn't have a a, a general release Avengers game they're just having one that's going to come out for connect uh and i think the Wii uh later this fall um so it's not really a tie-in but kind of a tie-in um i don't know if that makes any sense i mean it's just avengers in name only i think it's going to have something else as far as a different storyline is concerned but we really are not seeing smartly so um a a absolutely ton of uh tie-ins that we used to in the past because there used to be tons and tons of movie tie-ins almost every yeah for everything and and at least we're not seeing as much of that i understand you're still going to see the madagascars and 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 kids uh tie-ins every now and then but for the most part they're starting to understand that maybe they should not uh be uh, releasing these games well i know i did see some stuff in here down the pike they're looking at an expendables game Oh, yeah, well, I saw development on that. Expendable. Did you see that? Yeah, I saw the footage on that. and uh, there, the reason why it, There's a reason why it didn't come out in E3, but suddenly, magically, it's going to appear on the shelves come August. So, Yeah. Yeah, well. When will they learn? I, I, didn't say, I didn't say it was gone completely. I just said it was dying down from what it used to be. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we, uh, we got to head to another break. Does anybody have anything to conclude that before we go? I do. Everybody read my review of Spider-Man on yourgamesource.com on my page. Insert here. Um, Basically, you're going to see where it ties in with Arkham City, but it doesn't give you Arkham City, and you'll know why. I gave it a 6 out of 10. But also, what if they have only a mobile phone? If you have a mobile phone, then thanks to Nick, you can use our app and see all the wonderful reviews. Wonderful post to Facebook, Twitter, and all of our podcasts right there all in one place. 
right in the palm of your hand. Or in your pocket, so please don't butt dial us, because that's not cool. <laughs> but that would mean angry Nick in the palm of other people's hands. Yes. And anyway, uh, I see... Uh, I see this. I see the amount of sanitizer being uh, being purchased uh, quite increasing quite uh, quite rapidly. Hey, you know what? You were the one who put that on tonight's topic. Great. Here comes the letters. People are going to be. Do I have to get a shot for that? Yeah, we really need to do that. We need to have we, like we need to like play some really corny music and then just go. This is Game Source reading time. Can we just go on? Can't guys, can we just go on a break now? I got to go get some sanitizer. <laughs> and while Gerald goes and gets some sanitizer to wipe his hands, to clean his hands with, we are going to go to a break. Hygiene is everything. Shower people. They should have at E3. They should have apparently at um, AnimaCon too. That's where Game Church is at right now, and they had a Twitter feed of people saying that they need to shower while they're at that event. It's just posted amazing. to our Facebook. I was like, "See, see, we weren't the only ones." We're sorry, Game Church. We feel your pain. Yes, soap and water—it's friendly <laughs> to all. <laughs> I actually, Joe felt most of your pain as he made a comment several times on it while we were at the show. Man, because it happened to him left and right. He's talking to me. Some dude just blows funk right in his face. <laughs> it's, sometimes it was everywhere. Really, sometimes it really doesn't pay to be 6'2". <laughs> yeah. The humanoid must not escape. The round table of doom. All right. Back from the second break of the evening. I think it's the second break. Yeah. Gerald, since uh, Chris punched out on us tonight, lead us in, my man. Let me give you the helium version. It's the round table of doom. <laughs> Deb. He had that last little blurp right at the end. Dead. <laughs> so, I don't know how eventful the year's really been. There have obviously been some very uh, various news uh, news points that have influenced the industry in a number of ways. Uh, one being, as we talked about these in our previous podcast, but you may remember a time when Blizzard Entertainment had 600 employees worldwide that they had employed. However, that was not so after some time. <laughs> no, they had to lay off 600 employees. They have more than 600 employees. Yeah, but I was leading up to that. It was supposed to be a climatic Climatic, climatic, anticlimactic, you know. anticlimactic. Yeah, there you go. You're the you're the movie producer. Um, so that that's just one memorable thing. Of course, we know the big Mass Effect three funk. Eight hundred ninety thousand copies in twenty four hours. That has got to be some kind of world record. No, because uh, Diablo three. 
maybe for that time of year, maybe it was, but then, then, you know, Diablo three, um, which currently leads all sales for, you know, for the entire year, they trumped that, didn't they, Nick? Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, that's a good point. I mean, for that time of year, at least, I mean, I, I think that was a pretty substantial, uh, substantially impacting number there for, for within just a day, you know, um, Sony, uh, Third, Sony suffered a massive, massive losses, uh, $6.4 billion in the fiscal year 2011, laying off as many as 10,000 employees and, unfortunately, shutting down some big companies such as Big Big, Zipper Interactive, and uh, is Core? 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 It's Core, yes. It's their online interactive uh, magazine, Q-O-R-E. Must not have been very impressive, as I the name didn't sound too familiar to me. Well, it came up almost uh, daily on your PlayStation. Yeah, it was digital, and then I, it went I, away. I tend to ignore the uh, the annoying notice, notifications and updates. But, well, now maybe there's your argument for why um, EA shouldn't go 100 percent digital because there's Nick. Yeah, I see. I'm impeding. I am impeding the digital age. That's why he never accepted my friend's request on there. See? Exactly. <laughs> I knew it. Okay, well, go ahead, Geico Caveman. Continue. Following the trend <laughs> of Bioshock Infinite, Tomb Raider, and South Park. South Park, I'm sorry, I still will not admit that it's a real RPG. I don't care how good it ends up coming out. Um, He's only saying that because you're not here, Chris. Yeah. Ah, Chris, you're not here to contest it. Both of which were delayed until 2013, which South Park I could really care less about. However, uh, I am pretty disappointed that Bioshock Company got pushed again. And also, don't forget, you know, other games like uh, XCOM, uh, Tomb Raider. Uh, there's been at least three or four others. You know, Anarchy, Anarchy Reigns has been delayed. Uh, there's been several others that that have been pushed back to 2013. Yeah, and Tomb Raider actually looks real impressive, although. I think again we I think we mentioned this uh last podcast, maybe the podcast before, the the irony kind of between the fact that uh you know, Uncharted for the longest time was perceived as a quote rip off of Tomb Raider. Now it, it seems like the the uh the poles have kind of reversed there and now Tomb Raider is kind of a, a mimic of how Uncharted played. I think that's kind of a, a funny kind of irony. I think you can appreciate that most of all, Gerald. I guess I can. 38 Studios, makers of Kingdoms, Kingdoms of Armor Lore, The Reckoning. Uh, current developer of the MMO in prog- progress. Um, you know, Well, it's no longer in progress. The company did the El Foldo Act. Cause they're- yeah, I was just saying at the time, though, it was. Uh, obviously, they suffered very severe uh, financial difficulties that, you know, forced them, as many others, to uh, uh, have staff layoffs and, you know, the in- inability to pay back their loans um, that they were due. For those well, of that, you know, and that fiasco between them and the state of Rhode Island, which gave them huge incentives to move their entire business and company over there, and to ultimately just be able to not only pay not pay back their loans. 
to the banks, but not, not only that, but to the states uh, to get in a heavy heated war between the, the Rhode Island governor and Kurt Schilling, the former Major League Baseball player, uh, owner of, uh, well, former owner of 38 Studios. Uh, that was all over the news front for several days, and then that captured the world of gaming uh, for, you know, quite some time. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. Well, seeing as how this is our six-month special uh, and looking back on six months, I also want to make sure that, well, actually, uh, you're going to touch up uh, what's, you know, our our pick as far as, I'm sure, uh, top news story of the uh, first six months so far. So I'm sure you're going to ask us that, correct? I guess I am now. <laughs> what was... Uh, I guess what was your? I don't really know. This. What was? What was your most influential news story? Do you think that really? I'm trying to think of how to put this. I, I guess out of the last six months, what news story do you think made the most impact for you on your decision or kind of your outlook on how? The gaming industry is evolving, you know, just with all the layoffs and companies being, you know, cut and other companies tanking and losing people and losing consumer bases and things like that. Gerald? Uh, I think the major story of the first six months so far above Sony, uh, above 38 Studios, above Diablo and Mass Effect 3, I think uh, Diablo 3 and Mass Effect 3, I think, uh, should be uh, the fact that the gaming uh, market as a whole has eroded uh, so rapidly and that um, the the amount that it's dropped and decreased from this time last year um, is 30%, both console and uh, software sales. I think that should be the biggest news story of the first six months so far, and I think it's not even close because that tells me uh, that there's less customers buying uh, products that we love and enjoy. And uh, you know, while it doesn't smell doom and gloom for the video game industry yet, it's certainly not a trend you want to continue. And hopefully, new uh, consoles, uh, starting with the Wii U, will hopefully change that around. Yeah, I I think probably one of the most influential news stories really for me is um, a lot of the information uh, on what's going on with Blizzard. Because as everybody knows, Blizzard really, for the most part, is a power player. At least they've become such. I mean, I I, I don't know. Some of you may beg, beg to disagree with me on that. But I think hearing hearing their their loss of such a, you know, after being so well established with, you know, World of Warcraft that, you know, looking at them and hearing that they're at a point at a juncture now, just because of how things are panning out that, that even they're having to lay off people and they're to some point with, you know, Swartor being released to some degree, of course, before that kind of phased out, uh, it's newness, just seeing them kind of head towards the toilet is uh, it's it's a scary thought. I mean, it it leaves you really wondering when you when you hear that stuff, you know, who's next? Who's next on the chopping block? Who's not going to cut it and who's not going to make it from a 
from a really acclaimed series that they've you know worked on for years and have just got their hardcore basis of gamers. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that was a really, really impacting statement that you know that that's probably going to you know live with me probably for the rest of the year. So, Jamie, what about you? Well, I'm going to touch somewhere that we didn't fully go today, but I'm going to go towards THQ and everything they've been, you know, it seems like a downward hill for them as far as, you know, first they lose UFC to EA and, um, you know, they lose their, um, what was it? They lost their vice president, I believe it was. They gained a new president and lost their vice president. A lot of change going on with a lot of people who I believe thought they were in a stable position at one time. I guess the key word there is they thought. <laughs> they thought wrong. They thought very wrong. <laughs> you are the weakest link. Goodbye. So, I mean, on, on that note, though, you know, geez, I, for some reason, I, I keep, I noticed that I keep saying, you know, looking at, looking at all those new stories, two questions, even out of all that bad and sometimes good stuff, what is by far your favorite game, your least favorite game and the game that was really overlooked whether it was because of uh, due to, to the bad press or bad media about the company that made it, or just that maybe people didn't, you know, maybe it was overshadowed by a, a bigger release. And the second question is to add on to that: How is 2012 stacking up against other years, game quality wise, release wise? You know, in a lot of in a lot of substantial areas, we've we've seen games that have kind of tried to come out concurrently, one trying to overshadow the other and, and kind of oppress the other one's uh, you know release. So when you know when I ask this, use that as kind of a basis, you know, for your answer, Gerald. Why don't you go ahead and start us out? All right, let's take it from the top because you hit me with a whole bunch of questions. My that's my job. Mind is is going to wrap around all of them and be able to answer them all in a cor- correct and outstanding fashion that only I can provide. All right. Wow, okay. that was that was cheesy. All right, I'm going to go there. And... Did you take your ginkgo pills? You know what? I'm going to have to hit you. <laughs> On the air, too. That would be awesome. But uh, getting back to this, uh, first answer going for um, 2012 – Best game of the year for uh, so far for me is, despite what we say and what we said about the ending, um, I'd have to say it's going to be Mass Effect 3. Um, I just think the first 95% of it is just so outstanding as far as from a gameplay. And it was pretty much everything I wanted out of Mass Effect when I played the first Mass Effect. And I thought that was so great. But I was saying, oh, what if? What if? What if it did this? What if it, the, the gameplay was more fluid? What if it did this? What if it did that? What if the graphics were even better? Um, and it really, they really, the first 95% really outdid themselves at Bioware. And I think they should be congratulated on that part uh, of it. And I really think so far it's my game of the year. 
Uh, the worst game of the year, oh, there's, and that's, this is the problem, one of the many problems of 2012, is there's been so many good games that have been delayed to 2013. It's left a lot of room for a lot of really bad games to flood the market. Um, I could say, you know, uh, one of Nick's favorites, Connect Star Wars. Uh, that was really a lousy game. Um, also, as well, um, Ninja Gaiden 3. I know uh, Jamie enjoyed that one. Oh, I'm sorry. Didn't enjoy that one. Um, I think Nick's probably uh, going to say some things about Operation Raccoon City because that was really a poor game as well. Uh, but I'd probably say the biggest disappointment of, of, of the year for me and, and re- truly a bad game and something that that was truly a disappointment all the way around, especially after we saw the first initial video many years ago, uh, was I Am Alive. Not that it came out as a DLC. Okay, I understand that maybe they didn't think it was going to be profitable if it came out as a $60 retail game, but to totally change it from the way it looked um, and and to to provide it with just some generic gameplay um, that really was substandard was uh, truly made it for me the most disappointing game and and so far the worst game of the year for me um, and the biggest you know thing game or actually the game that you should that people that are most overlooking I'd say probably right now if any uh, would be Syndicate I would probably say because that is a very solid pay, a game. I thought it was truly pretty innovative um, multiplayer as well, but I really enjoyed the features as far as that's concerned uh, of that game. Um, I thought the campaign was very solid. I thought the multiplayer was very solid too. And I think people, if you have a chance, you should get that game because that was greatly overlooked when it came out. EA didn't support it. Uh, EA recently stated that uh, while SSX was very... uh, uh, met their expectations. Syndicate did not. I think the uh, base is solely uh, the blame solely is solely squared on EA because they missed the boat because the game itself was quite good. And I think if you get a chance to get at the bargain bin, uh, I think you should take that opportunity because it really is a good game. And as far as for 2012 is concerned, I think this game this year is going to be a forgettable year as far as video games concerned. When all is said and done. Uh, because I think everybody's looking towards next year and the new consoles, for the most part, to come, be coming out, or the latter end of this year when Wii U will be coming out. But by then, we're still going to be waiting for all those great games for the Wii U to come out, because I don't think at launch you're going to get all the great games that they advertised uh, during the Nintendo press conference. So I really think when it all comes down to it, 2012 is going to be quite the forgettable year. It certainly comes nowhere near the best year in gaming, in my opinion. That's 2007. So I don't think there's really many franchises that that were created this that are going to be created this year that are going to, um, you know, we're going to see down the hall uh, down the line. Um, I just think at this point in time, 2012 is just going to be labeled as just another year. I uh, very rarely agree with Gerald. However, he must have been on the same wavelength as me tonight. I am going to touch on what you said here in a second. However, again, like uh, Gerald had stated just a minute ago, despite the poor ending, I have to give Mass Effect 3 uh, my game of the year so far. In just terms of just the game itself, how it played, the options and features and functionality of it, the fluidness of it, just game operability, mechanics, graphics, things like that. 
I really think outweighed the negative and a lot of the heat that the game received because of the, the lack of a good ending. Uh, I want to say the worst game, uh, again, oddly enough, Gerald read my mind, uh, I Am Alive, that that game was a very severe disappointment just after, uh, on one of these podcasts actually, you know, when we were discussing it and, and when I checked out the original trailers compared to what the new trailers were, it's it's really it's really disappointing to see that they didn't go in the direction that that game um, should have went. And unfortunately, I think it would have had a lot of potential if it did. It did go in the uh, in in the direction that it was going first of all, and it's a shame that they changed it. Uh, I think the game most overlooked as as you'll hear my, my review on it, is, believe it or not, Operation Raccoon City was not great. However, I think it's worth a playthrough if you're playing online with others. And I think it received so much negative publicity that it was kind of a deterrent for people to play it. I myself was included in that until I actually played it. However, after playing it and, and pretty much thrashing the game, I think it's worth a playthrough if you're going to play with people online. However, that's really the only reason that I'm categorizing it as, as a game that you probably uh, maybe have overlooked that you, you may enjoy because I think the online part of the game playing with friends or family or, or whomever could really enhance the overall quality and experience that you can really get from that game. However, if you're playing the single-player campaign, it's not even worth – it's worth a red box rental is pretty much what the end result is going to be. My projection for 2012 is, is really the basic bottom line is, is that they have most of the good games coming out in 2013 – I don't think 2012 is going to be really memorable for any any real great titles. And uh, that's pretty much my opinion on that, Jamie. Well, I don't want to sound the same as you guys because you guys backed me into a corner because I honestly agree that Mass Effect 3 was obviously a game of the year. But I'm not going to go that route because, like I said, I don't want to sound the same. Actual... Well, I mean, what is your opinion? I mean, if it is the same as us, you know, I understand that uh, it sounds like, you, you know, that we're all in agreement and everything is unkidored. But if that is your game of the year, then, you know, it it's just it should be your game of the year. It shouldn't be it is. It is. But but there was one that I think doesn't I don't want to say get overlooked because it didn't really get overlooked. It just probably isn't on everybody's radar right now. Mostly on mine was obviously Uncharted Golden Abyss. That for the Vita, that game knocked it out of the park. That honestly probably saved what little it did of the of the Vita. I mean, graphically it was great. The touchscreen sequences were all on par, on check. It was a great. It was Uncharted in my hand. I loved it. Loved it. So I'm going to go that route. I hate to because, honestly, I totally agree with you guys as far as Mass Effect 3 goes. But, I, again, I want to be 
the one that's the oddball, I guess I'm going to say. I want to go that route because I think it deserves to be there. Honestly, though, I'm going to have to agree with you guys as far as Mass Effect 3 goes in the long run. As far as a game that got overlooked, I think I said it once before. Maybe everybody won't agree with me because it did get somewhat of a hype, but it wasn't getting the exposure or hype that I thought it deserved before it got it was Dragon's Dogma. That game was somewhat of a sleeper and then all of a sudden took off and again i i enjoyed that game so that was a little bit of a sleeper there i think um wow let's see how do i think 2012 is stacking up against other years considering other years have been a lot better than this one everything's getting pushed into next year they're really you have your Honestly, in my opinion, you have your two games this year that are going to make everybody go, oh, man, yep, that that was it right there. And obviously those are, you know, Black Ops 2 and Halo 4. Other than that, everybody's waiting on 2013. That's where everything is at. So, I mean, outlook-wise, the rest of 2012 really lies on Black Ops 2 and Halo 4, and then we're calling it a wrap, and waiting for the rest of what we thought we were getting this year that comes out next year. Nick, are you asleep? Right. I didn't mean to put everybody to sleep. I'm sorry. <laughs> Is Gerald still with us? Yeah, he's still with us. I've got my girl in my arms here. She's not asleep yet, but I didn't, wasn't sure if you were. No, not quite. Sorry about that. Um, trying to think of one more thing for us to add on here before we go to a break. Okay, on that note... <laughs> What? I pretty much concluded what I had to say. Silence fills the air. It's like a knife, guys. It cuts deep. Fine, then. then. We can say anything. Then we'll go to break. I'm sorry. Yeah. I was too busy looking at the wonderful game store to tap on my phone. That's okay. I was actually uh, just wondering about the death threat that Nick just made to us and all of our listeners. You flatter me, Jamie. No, seriously, I did like space on that part. But I was also listening, looking at the mobile app, and also, you know, also looking at our various Twitter and Facebook accounts, which you can get also on our mobile account as well for a mobile app. Real subtle, drilled. All right, we're going to go to break. You're listening to the Game Source Podcast. Yay! Great job, girls. All right, and final segment of the evening. Gerald, a gaming memory. Yes, it's that time again for gaming memories. And I just want to say uh, before we uh, delve into Gerald's gaming memories, um, I just want to let you know that this probably will be one of the last gaming memories we have 
um, on the Game Source podcast because Gaming Memories is now going to become part uh, its own podcast. Um, and I think, you know, the host is here today to uh, elaborate maybe a little bit more on that. Jamie? I am. Actually, I'm going to be taking control of Gaming Memories and kind of make it have its own little spin for you guys. Um, I'm actually in talks right now with a co-host, News to Gerald. actually just got the phone call about um, 10 minutes ago. I will give you all the details on that as soon as possible. Oh, that's but it should awesome. be coming, awesome. I believe, next week is when we're going to um, give you guys our first little outing. I can't wait for it. Uh, I look, look very much forward to it. But as for now, I will give you uh, my gaming memory. Um, and I think I'm going to base it because this past week saw the 40th birthday for the little game company known as Atari. Um, and anybody who's a video game out there has to know Atari as uh, the basically one of the fathers of video games. Um, and I think everybody... Uh, is aware or knows at one time there was a great and most popular machine called the Atari 2600. Um, I remember uh, many, many years ago uh, going with my father, uh, my late father, um, to uh, a department store called the Treasury. And I know that's going way back on the way back meter there, but uh, uh, we went and my dad uh, got me this huge box. Uh, uh, went out of his way to get it for me, uh, and I was so excited to bring the Atari 2600 system to home and plug it in. Uh, he had to use the old uh, VHF slide box for the back um, to get that hooked up um, and just enjoy a good game of Pong uh, or a good game of combat. And I just cannot tell you the experience, uh, uh, how great it was for me at that point in time, just a kid. Uh, t- tiny little kid playing this this awesome advanced piece of technology. Um, just to see uh, where we've come as far as video games are concerned is just, you know, still today, we still have to realize for all the stuff we say on, on the radio, we still with all the stuff we say on the podcast and on in our Facebook, our Twitter, uh, our website, the whole nine yards, there's still every single day uh, a boy or a girl that's being given for the first time by their loving parents, a loving uncle, a loving grandparent of some time, um, just given, you know, for the first time, their first experience in video games. And we got to remember that each day uh, there's someone out there in the world being um, brought into the video gaming universe. And, and I know, uh, at least for me, you know, 36, 37, 38 years ago, um, uh, that was, you know, just getting that first experience uh, for the first time when my dad handed me that Atari 2600 box was such a wonderful experience for me. And uh, uh, that, I think, is is a great gaming memory to have. And I remember that gaming, you know, memory um, right, uh, you know, when the around the time that, you know, Atari was having their, their birthday uh, celebrations uh, earlier this week. Well, that sounds like a very good memory, Gerald. Well, do you guys have any memory of Atari? Now that I still you know, have mine, actually. Um, unfortunately, I, I'm, you know, young, so I don't really. Uh... <laughs> hey, hey, now. <laughs> well, Gerald, you're still pretty young. Gerald's an old man, so he can reminisce on that. Unfortunately, I don't have the 
age on me yet uh, to reflect on Atari. I'm sure you played some of their video games in the past 10 years. <laughs> now, mind you, it's because some of their releases in the past 10 years is the reason why they're no longer a top video game developer now or publisher now, but that's beside the point. That's another story. <laughs> well, that's another memory for another day. Yeah. Save that for the, save that for the next segment. Um, well, guys, we... Uh, I think that will pretty much sum up for tonight. I, I think we uh, want to cover just a couple things before we close out for the night. There's a, a new segment that I've started. is uh, called the Rage Review. I'm not really going to get into it much because at this point we are going to see the feedback we get from it before we uh, continue to move forward with it. So you will have to check it out at our uh, on our website at www.yourgamesource.com on our videos page. And uh, Gerald will probably more than likely uh, make sure he puts it up on the front page somewhere as well, as well as our YouTube channel, yourgamesource.dotcom, all one word. And of course, as we kind of spoke a little bit about earlier this evening about the Game Source mobile app, uh, guys, just make sure. We will, of course, give you a heads up as soon as it is available in the iTunes store and the, um, the uh, Android market so you're able to download it. However, Gerald has uh, graciously put up the URL for you so you're able to download it now straight to your phone and, uh, and save it as a, uh, as a mobile app on your, um, on your desktop, in essence, on, on your uh, smartphone. So, um, Jamie, Gerald, did you guys want to talk more about the new channels with the uh, – uh, MF MFP podcast and and with Jamie's. Did you have anything else to add? Well, Jamie, like I said, he's doing his game memories, and he's got a new co-host that I I'm not even aware of, uh, which is great. Um, I like surprises, especially if they're good ones, um, like everybody else, of course. But I did want to say uh, to everybody out there who are big fans of the CNC, I can't say the rest of their name podcast, especially with my girls sitting here. Um, that they're released. They've already given me number three, and actually, by the time you've um, hear this podcast, heard this podcast, it'll actually be already up on our server and already be up on our site. Uh, so, if you haven't given them a try and you like something a little bit more explicit at times, um, and, but it's also retaining a lot of the humor and also a lot of the, the importance in game topics. Um, I think you should, uh, you know, I'll, it's great discussion. Just, you know, it's a little bit more free and open as far as what they can say. And I think it goes a long way as far as being a great podcast. I think Chris and Corey do a great job of it. And uh, number, th- you know, if you haven't got a chance to listen to all three podcasts, uh, I think you should take a, uh, a chance and listen to them, uh, you know, as soon as you can. Uh, it'll be on our mobile app. It'll be. It's also up on our www.yourgamesource.com slash podcasts. So uh, I think when you get a chance, you should listen to them. You'll you'll actually, uh, you know, if you're if you don't mind the uh, the you know language that might be offensive to some, uh, it's for 18 years of age uh, and older. Anyone under that shouldn't be listening to it. Shame on you. Uh, um, it's uh, it's a great podcast to listen to, though, if you don't mind the adult humor and whatnot. So, all right then. Well, 
Oh, plus we also, you know, if you get a chance to check out the site, also great blogs coming from Jeremiah, from Jamie, from myself, uh, from also as well. Um, our new individuals such as Katie, Michael, um, also as well, Cameron, uh, he's coming on. Uh, we've got a lot of great things to look forward to because um, those guys are super fans and uh, the super fan pages that they're that they're putting up uh, are just greatly appreciated. Um, and also as well, uh, we've got some uh, great things coming down the pike. Jeremiah's got a Guild War, Guild Wars 2 uh, beta impressions that I think is a must read. And uh, I really think we got a lot of great uh, things coming down the pike. Uh, so just uh, keep your eye out on the mobile app or on our Facebook page or on our website at www.yourgamesource.com for all the info. And don't forget to like us too. Like us and follow us. We need your support. And I think uh, Gerald pretty much said it all. Um, Jamie, anything else to add? Um, good night. <laughs> well, uh, thanks everybody as always for joining us. Uh, we we certainly appreciate the comments and the um, all the great things that um, you do to help make this site uh, significant because uh, without you, there wouldn't be any reason to do this site. So <laughs> as cheesy as that sounds, but um, again, just uh, please make sure to check us out at www.yourgamesource.com and the game source mobile app. And uh, that concludes tonight's podcast. Um, have a good night, everyone. One, two. Good night. <laughs>